When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook em Up, 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. Quite the weekend. It was cold and uh, windy here in Austin, Texas, so it was a good day, a good weekend to sit inside and watch a lot of football. Ooh. Maybe make some soup or chili. Oh, yeah, we had some uh, tortilla soup, which was really good. Ooh. Yeah, watch the tortilla soup. So, yeah, that's something. Right, great soup weather. Great soup and chili weather. I'm with you. No doubt about that. We had a neighbor of ours who, uh, for, for the New Year, dropped off a nice uh, soup in a bag kind of thing, and you just add the meat, and it was wonderful. A little bean soup. Soup in a bag. Well, they just give you uh, all the ingredients, all the, the spices and whatnot, and all nice. you do is all we had to do is add some meat, whatever meat we wanted. That's legit right there. It's good. Nice gift, by the way. Nice mm-hmm. gift. Thank hey, you babe. to the Melders. Uh, very nice people. Yeah, so we, we had some soup and watched some football. And uh, it was cold. It was darn cold. And uh, obviously the Texans game did not end up as uh, Rod and I as fans would have liked to have seen. But uh, tip your cap to that group because they're really damn good. Yeah, the, and the Texans are way ahead of schedule. And you saw that in that game. They were exposed. But uh, listen, they, they fought for an entire half uh, considering how good Baltimore is. Um, I was surprised Texans had no turnovers. Um, they allowed zero sacks. You point out what really killed them with those pre-snap penalties. They had eight pre-snap penalties, 11 penalties overall. Um, here's, here's a nice little it's, – it's good and bad. It's a, it's a factoid that will make you feel good and a little bit anxious as a, long, uh, sorry, as a Texans fan. Texans set a record for the, most, uh, for the worst margin of defeat, 24 points, in NFL history for a team that had zero turnovers and zero sacks in the game. So other than the penalties, they were a relatively clean team. As a matter of fact, they were the first NFL team since 1940, regular season or postseason, to lose by more than 10 points in a game where they had zero offensive touchdowns, no sacks, and no turnovers. Yeah, you know, it was it was frustrating because they when they would get something mounted, a drive mounted. Um, you know, then there would be penalties. Then they'd be against the chains. And then you knew against that defense it was yeah. going to get tougher to call plays. And they're just really good. And you, when you're shooting yourself in the foot uh, and, and taking the momentum away from yourself, the inability to score points, um, it's now not eight quarters they played against that defense and still haven't found the end zone offensively. Yeah, yeah margin for error is really – and they had a lot of penalties in the first matchup too, didn't they? They did. They had a ton of penalties in that first matchup. Yeah, margin for error is already – pretty slim, minuscule when it comes to this matchup for the Texans versus the Ravens. And you, you know, you are, you, you kept hurting yourself and being your, your own worst enemy with those penalties, getting behind the chains against this defense, best scoring defense in the league, led the NFL uh, in takeaways too. You don't want to be behind the chains against them. And Mike McDonald, I mean, he, he, he dialed up some brilliant pressure packages. And they didn't really get to C.J. that often because C.J.'s great at being able to move around in the pocket, buy himself some time. Um, but I gave that stat earlier. If you go look at the amount of players, the different defenders, they were able to apply pressure on C.J. Stroud. It was remarkable. You had 12 different pass rushers generate at least one pressure for the Ravens. 
Um, that's that's amazing. That just shows you they were coming from everywhere, from every different angle. That's some of the brilliance of Mike McDonald and what he does with those pressure packages. You just never know where it's coming from. And yeah. they got a lot of guys taking just win one on ones. Yeah, Javion Clowney's like a role player on that team. I know. I mean, <laughs> he's like a role player. Yeah, they are stacked. <laughs> They're, that's the reason they've been so good this year. I would also say that um, you know there were there are a couple plays I've seen now in replay. There was a screen pass they threw to Devin Singletary that would have gone for a touchdown, but George Fant missed his block. Mm. Um, big big right tackle got out there, and all he has to do is get a body and there's nobody behind it. I mean, yeah. it's one of those where, you know, he's going to be – he still has a convoy of linemen and tight ends in front of him, and it was just a great play call against the Blitz. They beat it, and, you know, one guy missed a block, and it's, it. you know, it's yeah. a big dude trying to block a little dude, and sometimes you, you lose the leverage. But that was, that was that kind of game, and, you know, you tip your cap. Ravens were the better team. They were reading their favor by 10 points going in. Um, they're just a really good team, and that's what the Chiefs will deal with. And I would also say – I said going into the weekend, I thought Detroit maybe had the best home field advantage just because of the rabid nature of that crowd and it's oh, indoors. It's crazy. Baltimore has a great home field advantage. Baltimore, that place yeah. is loud. It's rocking. Oh, my gosh. They're outside, too. And that was a big part of Houston jumping off sides. They really couldn't hear, and uh, and, they were, and they got a really good pass rush coming at you, so you're trying to, you know, not be late. Trying to get a, yeah, you're trying, to get, you're trying to get a little jump yourself. <laughs> you're, you're facing a really good that, – that was, a, that was a, that'll be a factor for the Chiefs this week. And whatever we say about the Chiefs and six straight AFC championship games, that is remarkable. Uh, historically good, but at the same time, they haven't played a road AFC championship game, so they'll have to deal with that this weekend. They just dealt with Baltimore, or excuse me, Buffalo, and did fine, and, um, you know, that was quite the performance by Patrick Mahomes, but really it was about mistakes from the Bills late in that game, and then that Chiefs defense limiting the, because uh, remember, if you go back to the first half, the Chiefs were getting pushed around by the Bills. Yeah. They were pushing them and just gouging them with the run game, and Josh Allen, they uh, they taught, they stiffened up and uh, gives that that's been their calling card this year on defense. They've allowed the fewest second half points in the league. Great the adjustments. Chiefs. Yep. Uh, Steve Spagnuolo's done a great job of making those adjustments. Seven in that game. Yeah. After and, a seventeen point first half, just seven in the second half. And you got to get surprised, man. I'm telling you, Chris Jones, Junk Jones, as he's been called awesome. ever since he uh, his his junk was exposed at the combine because he's <laughs> running in some. It was him. I know. I remember. He was running in some compression I think I was shorts. Watching that live. I think we all were in compression shorts, and his junk just would not be suppressed or compressed, and it just popped out. Just, and he kept running. He just put a, he just put his arm down there and kept running through his forty. I don't even know what his forty. I don't think anybody cares. But anyway, ever since then, I call him Junk Jones. And that play, one of those plays you're talking about. You got to go watch how he may not even get the sack. He may yeah, not he push the, the lineman push, right into Josh. Right Allen. into him. You saw it. Yeah. And Josh Allen, he, he if he throws accurately and he stays on that spot without Chris Jones Might have been a touch pushing, down. yes, pushing that lineman into his face because he pushes it right when he's getting ready to finish the throwing motion. Right at that second, J Chris Jones pushes the lineman into him and he just can't complete. He gets knocked just ever so slightly off of his throwing motion. And that made the pass go a little awry and a little erratic. And that's why it was off because he was open. And if he got, he had a clean throwing motion and he was not necessarily harassed in the pocket by Chris Jones, that's a touchdown. Yeah. That's a touchdown. And that's, that's the stuff. That's the magnific mag magnifying glass of these games. That and then you give a play like that. My savior season. I mean, and the kid, who, who, the guy for the, I, mean, I don't think Houston was going to win that game, but the guy for Baltimore who beat the block. That if he doesn't get if he gets oh, blocked, yeah. it might have been a You're touchdown right. and a different kind of game in the second half. You know, those are the kind of things that that flip games, and uh, that's why we point them out, right? And that's why you know, as much as you want to criticize Brock Purdy for the 49ers game when they needed it most, he was great, and when um, you know when the Packers needed Jordan Love the most, he wasn't great. As I mentioned, he had 116 passer rating in the first you know three quarters of the game, and the last mm -hmm. four drives he had a 16 passer rating. So 
you know, that's, that's how games go, but, you know, we don't – this is, this is about winning the game. And uh, uh, Brock Purdy is as bad as he looked. And I'd also say this, there are a lot of subplots to all these games. And, uh, you know, we talked a lot about Jason Kelsey and his shirt off and doing his antics, which was a lot of fun up in the suite there. But did you see the scene where – I hadn't seen this – where Jason Kelsey was jumping in and out of the suite. I mean, yeah, he was drunk. I saw that. Yeah, I know he was, he was pretty tipsy. And he was hanging out with the Bills Mafia before the game and uh, enjoying bowling ball shots and things like that. Well, so he jumped down into the crowd, and he brought a little girl back into the suite to meet Taylor Swift. I saw that, How yeah. cool is yeah. that? That little girl. Yeah. Um, He's a man of the people. That's a man. And I mentioned that He's the big the story that broke before the game, the most I haven't seen anybody talking about it, because this is a major story, that according to Michelle Tafoya, she is the former NBC sideline reporter. She did an interview with CBS Sports Radio host Mark Ryan, and she said she's been told and believes that Travis Kelsey will hang up his cleats after the season. Whenever the season ends, he's going to be done. And she said, quote, I think Travis is retiring after the season like his brother. I think there's a ton of motivation for them to do this. I think they're highly motivated. I can't reveal my source, but I can say he's looking into future plans. Now with his brother retiring, I could totally see those pulling a Peyton and Eli Manning sort of gig, maybe on Peacock to be the companion piece to Sunday Night Football. It makes perfect sense. They would kill it, too. And Tafoya obviously used to work at NBC. She's got sources at NBC. Mm-hmm. That sounds like she's got it on good good account that uh, the, the the Manning cast has been so successful for ESPN on Monday Night Football. Yeah. Hey, why don't we do one for Sunday Night Football? And they'd be so good because essentially, man, they would make so much money off of that. They'd pay them some ridiculous amount. And they still keep their podcast, which has become highly successful since he started dating Taylor Swift. They've got a whole new uh, demo, demographic <laughs> right, that they attract to the podcast. So between the podcast and just that alone, dude, they, they'd be making right. a so few million dollars a year easily. Easily, more than that. I mean, I mean who <laughs> knows what, what the Mannings are making. And, of course, that's all, you know, Peyton Manning and his Omaha productions, right? That's, that was kind of their brainchild yeah. to bring that thing today. Well, now everyone's going to want one. But the key to doing it is having the right personality. Well, the chemistry. Yeah. They, they got brothers. Yeah. That's the key. You can't just have, bring two people in. You're like brothers. That's chemistry that you cannot quantify. Right. And Peyton and Eli <laughs> ribbing each other. That's what makes the show go. Yep. And these guys are funnier than those two. Kelsey's are funnier than the Mannings. Yes. Yes. And, you know, you, you got Jason's a little more understated, and then Travis is a little goofier. But you got the And they're going to have Taylor Swift on their show. Oh, sure. So all the stars, they're going to get well, stars too. Well, think about what Michelle Tafoy is saying. Well, so if you're going to watch the game on Sunday Night Football, okay, but if you want to watch the Kelsey's with maybe Travis, with maybe Taylor Swift hanging out, uh, you got to get Peacock. You got to stream it on Peacock. Yep. That's where you're going to watch that. Mm-hmm. You're not watching it on ESPN2 like you're on ESPN. You've got to stream it. Yep. And that will obviously explode their streaming numbers, which is why they'll pay them. And if you're Travis Kelsey, you're thinking, okay, I'm not, I've am not. i done this long enough. I've won a couple Super Bowls. I may win another one this year. If I don't, I've made a lot of money. I still have my, my relatively good health. And that's a, that's a cush job, Rod. I mean, you. Oh, that's a job you could do for the next 20 years, depending on what happens. You get to do it with your brother? Just get to hang out. You already know you like a lot. It's pretty stress-free. And he's been complaining about injuries for the last two years, talking about how the surgeries that he's had and uh, all the different injuries that have accumulated and piled up for him. Once guys start you know, tracking those things and complaining about them publicly, Bill Parcells always said that you're, you're at the beginning of the end. You yeah. might as well just hang it up. Now, if you're talking about retirement, you're already in your mind. You're already checked out. Yeah, because, you know, it, it, it's, it's a hard game. It's a physical game, yeah, you know. especially when you won a lot and now maybe you, you found the girl that you're going to, yeah. you know, oh, settle man. down with and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll that see. can't so have anything it. to do with it. Come on. What do you mean? What do you, <sighs> Never mind. I'm not, not even going to get into though? it. Not even going to get into it. 
He, he thinks that Taylor Swift thing can't have anything to do with or shouldn't have anything to do with his retirement. It shouldn't. It shouldn't. It might. It should not have. If, I, I, didn't I, say, I didn't say anything about Taylor Swift. She might be on this podcast. I'm saying that he. No, he's talking to, about the retirement of Travis Kelsey is partly because he met the right woman. Sure. That's, but he's saying that can't be the case. That's what he's saying. Oh, I know. He still thinks it's a, a ruse. I'm, yes. I'm, I'm, <laughs> yes. Was he, did he flash up the heart sign to Travis Kelsey did. or Taylor Swift? Who was it for? He flashed the heart to the booth. You can decide who that was That's for. That's his boo thing. That's his boo. Yeah, on, That's man. my boo girl. I'm on. I, I, I think they're going to win the Super Bowl, man. and I think it's part of the script. You know, the NFL is scripted, as we know. Of course it is. Um, yes. And I, I, I just, but I'd want them to lose so bad, so this can be over. Or you think Kansas City's going to win the Super Bowl? Yeah, I just don't. I told you that I, last week. Of, I, I think Kansas City's the third best team right now left. I think I think San Francisco's better. If they're healthier, if they're healthy, and I, I think I think Lamar and the Ravens are better. I do too. Well, San Francisco's but, a, they're they're choke artists. They'll 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 find a way oh to, to blow this. And I, I, I just try, I'm saying Patrick Mahomes, he's a two time Super Bowl champion. I, I think he's most likely to get get there and win it again. And Not because with it's scripted, I guess. No, uh, if they beat Baltimore, it won't be. I mean, Baltimore's really damn good. I just I don't understand. I, I guess I understand if you're bothered by the Taylor Swift thing. I just don't understand it ruining the game for you. I hear people talking about how it's ruining the game. Well, oh, I didn't. I didn't watch the game. That's probably part of the reason. Why. <laughs> really? Why? Because I, I, so I can't stand it. It's it's like it's they keep on putting wow. it up, and they know either way. Like. First of all, no one's wa- no Swifties are watching that game just to see Taylor Swift. I don't well, think that's not true. I don't think we've seen a a, a, a inflation of numbers. Basically, oh, we have. Oh, they d- have, yeah. Of, of young women, of young teen girls, they actually still, have, yeah, still, yeah, yeah. Months into I this, just, they're still watching. I just don't, I, 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 it's more of like I, I, they know that people are going to hate on this. I don't know if I know y'all don't do social. I, y'all do socials, but not you don't look into like Instagram comments probably as hard as I do. 95% of the comments is just like, why are you still posting this? Like, it's all, it's all hate views. Like, people, more people are going to hate Taylor Swift from all this going on than are going to, like, be new fans of hers. I can, I can promise you that's the case. And I used to be a fan of hers, and I hate her now. See, I can pretty much pick out what that demographic is, too, by the way. But that's okay. No, but it's uh, always, these are not just sports so, accounts. So, I don't know. It doesn't even matter. It's a football. I'm watching the football exactly. game. Exactly. It's a football they, game. Why are we have to see Taylor Swift every five minutes? What did we see her about six times in this game? Why did you see her we once? Wouldn't seen, we wouldn't have seen her at all. But why does that bother you so bad? They, it's they, just always, the game. they always show you know this, Ty. They, they always, always show, show significant others and girlfriends. Yes. Uh, oh, no. Now, now they they show her more because she's a pop star. They do. They always show girlfriends and wives and stuff. Okay, you know it's that. one thing to show a girlfriend or wife one time on the broadcast briefly, but to show it five to twelve times and then have to see it on Instagram and every or every single social media platform and then have to come to work and talk about it every single day. It's it's a little frustrating for me. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just I, I understand being bothered by it. What I don't understand is how it goes for people like you and I hear a lot of people that it's like anger. Like they're so mad. It's not about like it. I dislike so her. About? I don't dislike you she's you a, probably you a great person. Whatever yeah, I'm yeah. Well I don't have cable right now, so that's part of the reason why. But also I mean I yeah I just I it's it's not about her. It's just about the, the fact the way the media is pushing it so hard. And I know her team has to be – her and the Kelsey's team has to be, have something to do with that. I know it's not just randomness going on. Like, at, it's it, – I don't know. It's just part of – it's, 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 it's really annoying to me. Non-professional opinion. It's misplaced anger. Die. That would be what I would call it. No, it's. I want to watch it's football. Not something, it's not I don't care. You, I, Taylor Swift and the, the NFL game. should not be in the same circle. They, they are completely yeah. NFL separate. disagrees. But it is. The NFL disagrees. It, but there was no part of that that ruined I actually enjoyed it because it was really about Trey Jason Kelsey. That was hilarious. 
And Jason Kelsey, did, you know, beer bong and beers. That's and fine. His that's shirt cool. Off. He's that he's in the NFL, like, and he is well, they, Travis Kelsey's they, brother. Like, that's fine. I, I but. Okay. I, uh, and then he brought a young girl fan to meet Taylor. That was Swift, cool. Which is kind of a sweet moment. I just don't. I don't get the visceral anger that I hear from a lot of people. It's just it's okay. It can be bothersome. That's not a big deal. But I, it certainly did not did take anything away from the game for me, Rod. I enjoyed I, the game. A heck of a I, lot. I think. I think, and I. I don't disagree necessarily with some of the uh, the takes that Ty's coming up with in terms of how America, some Americans feel about it. I will say this, and I go back to the old uh, Dark Knight quote because I think it applies to a lot of different things. Either you die a hero or live long enough to become a villain. When you've been on top and been a pop icon as long as she has, you're bound to become a villain at one point. Remember the old Lou Holtz quote where he said, after 10 years you lose like 10% of your fan base? After 10 years on the job, you yeah. lose 10 years, 10% of your fan base sure. every year after that. So by the time you get to year 15, 50% of your fan base hates you. They're against you. Ask Mac Brown. <laughs> and I think there's, a, in a sense, that is what she is going through too. I think after a while just being on top the way she has, you're going to end up ha- having a lot of haters and a lot of people that just don't like you, period. Ask Drake. Ask, ask anybody who's been around. If you've been around for that long, Beyonce. There's a ton of people that hate on Beyonce. Like, it's just, if you've been around for that long and been on top of that, look at the Golden State Warriors. Remember I told you about this? They became enemies. They became like yep. villains at one point. Everybody loved them. The Astros. Now we know the Astros are villains because the cheating scandal. But at one point, you're gonna you're gonna become. Everybody's gonna love you. You're gonna be the considered, you know, the favorite son, whatever it is. And then at one point, you're gonna flip LeBron James. You're gonna flip and turn, and you're gonna become the villain because you've been around for too damn long. Yeah. Nobody's gonna love you for that long. Ask LeBron. Now LeBron, there are more haters for LeBron than there are people that love LeBron now. Why? Because he's been around for so long, guys. I went to the NFL when LeBron came out of high school no. to go to the league. That's how long he's been around. No, I agree. I just don't I, – I don't see Taylor Swift becoming a villain with her own fan base and, and the people who love her. I see her becoming a villain with guys like Ty who get angry about it because they're on her football game. But she shouldn't be vilified for dating a football player. But and she knows what one. she's doing. It's, <laughs> she knows exactly what she's doing. She and so does Travis Kelsey. Did. Like, come on. Like, <laughs> we're going to act like this is just a, just a random love story that just like is just – I actually think it is, actually. Well, okay, maybe it's not set up. Maybe they do like each other and they met, but everything they're doing now and every game day and all that all that jazz the jacket last week that use checks wife made like that's all planned. That's all that it's all planned. The the heart sign was planned. Like come on. Come on. I I don't disagree that there was some planning behind trying to get them together and some marketing behind it because even the college you should think the nfl is about to sign a deal with god you wife yeah the nfl she can make they can make the jackets pretty good gig so if you're on a conspiracy theory on the grassy knoll i do get it there's some evidence to suggest that this could all have been orchestrated but now i think they actually like each other i it it could have been orchestration from the jump but now i think they've actually grown to care about each other. i think it works for both parties at the same time (laughs) but um you know, I mean, she just goes to the games, and she wants to root for her boyfriend. Um, you know, Ty, you have to stay off Reddit and Instagram and stop getting so angry about things that don't it's, matter. I, it's, they it's, don't matter. It, you cannot they escape just doesn't it. You cannot escape yes, her. You, you absolutely can. No, you can't. She's oh everywhere. She's everywhere. She's everywhere. <laughs> I used to be a huge fan. I know all of her. Like I know all the song, all the old songs. Like I know all the words. I told y'all in drama class in seventh grade. I did my lip, lip sync project to "Love Story" by her. Dressed up like like Juliet, wore a wig and a dress, did it all. Like I've, I, it's not about her; it's about the situation in which that 
that they've put us as NFL fans. You better, better find some some pack your patience. I talked about the drivers one because it's still it's not going anywhere. They're going to play this weekend. Might go to the Super Bowl. And Dude. Travis Kelsey's about to have a TV show with his brother. And she's going to be a she's going to be a regular be guest on it, <laughs> coming on it. every now and then. Yeah. And there's a jeweler. That was a jewel. Page six at this uh, jeweler owner Steven Singer of uh, Steven Singer Jewelers has offered them a one million dollar engagement ring for free. Yeah, if he if he offers to if he decides to marry Taylor Swift. Oh, it ain't going nowhere, Ty. It might get even worse, man. Yeah, probably so. Oh, it will. And, and like I, one I day I'll accept it, but it's it's. It's, it's hard. It's it's, it's very it's, hard. No, for me. it's so easy. It's just a game. You just watch the game. But it's not exactly. It is just a game. It's not about Taylor Swift. Like it should. It, it is just a football game. It's not a red carpet event for for Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. He's just as bad too. Okay. Yeah, he is. He is. He is. What people don't know about Travis Kelsey, Travis Kelsey's been kind of a media whore. He loves he – he's on a reality TV yeah, show. Yeah, reality TV show. He's on a reality TV show. He likes this lifestyle. That's why he may decide to, to hell with football. I actually prefer being a socialite. 100%. And I, <laughs> oh, that doesn't ruin the football game for me. I mean, if that, no. there, there are personalities in every game that are a uh, little off the nose, a little unorthodox, and I, I enjoyed – there's nothing about that that bothered me watching the game. I thought the game was, was It compelling. takes away from the game. It takes I away from our it. show every day having to talk about it. No, we don't have to. We were talking we just about do, uh, We do. I, I think well, if I count, if I go back and count it every day, this, this entire entire football season, I guarantee you, we've talked about Taylor Swift at least once every day. Well, Ty, we were talking about Travis Kelsey possibly retiring from the game when his season is over, which is a pretty damn big story. He's the, arguably the greatest tight end ever to play time. the position. He is. Who's talking about retiring? That's a fairly big story, mm-hmm. and Taylor Swift happens to be a part of that conversation, but it certainly was not the start of the conversation. Uh, those two are probably going to retire together, possibly go in the Hall of Fame together, because if they retire the same year, they can go into yeah. the Hall of Fame five years later, and they're going to have a, a show on Peacock. So that's at least what Michelle Tafoye is saying. That's what led us to this conversation. On the heels of a hell of a football game that ended 27-24, uh, Bills go down to the Chiefs, who yeah. are headed to Baltimore. Uh, but, yes, that is certainly part of the conversation this morning. In addition to that, it's the Niners and Lions. The upstart Lions, first trip to the NFC Championship game in 32 years. And now if you're a Cowboys fan, you hate to hear it. But, um, and really if you're a football fan in Texas, it really sucks that no Houston pro team or you know, the Cowboys haven't been there since 95. So it's 29 years to the NFC Championship game. A Houston pro sports team hasn't been to the AFC Championship game since 1979, Rod. Yeah. Been a while. Not in my lifetime. God. Not in my lifetime. Uh, so I moved to Houston in 1980. We had lived in Ohio. I was, I was born in 1980. Yeah. Yeah. So and so I moved there right after the Love You. I was the middle of the Love You Blue hysteria. Mm-hmm. But they had just when we moved, we moved like well, I think we moved into Houston in March or end of February into March. So the whole Pittsburgh Steeler game '79 thing had just oh, yeah, happened. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It just happened, and it was brutal. It's brutal. Mm. And but some but that but it was still a hysteria for the Orioles. But that's how long it, they still have been back. It's still since Bum Phillips. And that's the, how hard it is to get back. I mean, if you're combining years now, you're talking about 70, 80 years in the state of Texas for being to the conference championship game. We got to turn that around. Well, what's happened? Yeah, you're right about that. You got to turn it around. You deal. What really happened to the Texans too? They, we talked about this earlier with Patrick Mahomes, right? That unfortunately, you know, Josh Allen has to deal with. Even though he's a great player, he's dealing with being in the shadow of the greatest start of a career in the history of pro sports. Mm-hmm. Not your fault, but Patrick Mahomes is just you, you're in that era, so you got to deal with that. Michael Jordan was the same way. We don't we underrate a lot of players in Michael Jordan's era because, hey man, you just didn't get a chance to shine. That was just Michael Jordan's era. He took your he took your shine. Yeah, and I think the same thing for not, not overall for the Houston. Um, pro football franchises, 
man, think about what happened after, like, in, in those 90s and in the 2000s. You had your Peyton Manning, Tom Brady in the AFC era that went on for what? 15 years, something yeah. like that. It was just Peyton Manning, and then Big Ben thrown in there. Look, those three from the quality organizations sprinkled in there, and that was the AFC in a nutshell for probably oh, 100%. 15, I mean, basically two decades. The, the, the AFC was Brady, Manning, and Big Ben Roethlisberger. And I think that also hurt the, the well, Texans. And Manning was in your own division for yeah. a majority of that. Oh, man, that was brutal. And you had some decent teams in there. They and, didn't and they, matter. And, and when Houston was their best, and they didn't – because, I mean, the, the early 90s, the run-and-shoot Oilers that should have made the conference The Buddy Ryan one. Yeah, yeah. The, the Chiefs, that's why we say that lost Joe Montana and the Chiefs was still the worst one, worse than the Buffalo collapse because that was – you know, that was uh, on the oh, road. Yeah. and But that, the, 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 the 93 year with Buddy Ryan, you were the number one seed. You had home games all the way to the Super Bowl, <laughs> yep. and you couldn't uh, punch the ticket. I mean, Joe Montana beat you. But that's brutal. But to your point, you're right. And that's why Texans fans are optimistic that maybe they have one of these quarterbacks now. They have one of these they guys do. who's going to be in the conversation every year for the next decade plus, you know, joining Patrick Mahomes. Because, look, Josh Allen is now Dak Prescott of the AFC. I mean, Josh Allen is that guy who – you're going to get you to a point, and that's it. Yep. Um, they're now they've lost three last four years to Patrick Mahomes in the playoffs. This was the year you had him in your building. He, just, he was in NFC though. If he was in NFC. Uh, he'd, he'd have a way better shot. If I said that's why I feel like a lot of it's just like bad timing, man. You're just it is bad timing. That's why I mentioned earlier that with... when 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 Michael Jordan was building his first three peat, there was a team called the Cleveland Cavaliers who were pretty damn good. Most people who saw them said they could beat anybody if they could get to the finals. They beat anybody in the West except they couldn't beat Jordan. Yeah. They couldn't beat Jordan. But remember, Jordan had to go through it too, right? Couldn't beat the Pistons and the Celtics That's in right. the East. And then finally, so if you're Josh Allen, you're hoping that is your story is that. They'll you, bring a new coach. Yes, at one point you break through. And he might. And I think he's more likely to do it than Dak Prescott. That would be yes, my opinion. Yes, because a higher ceiling. Yeah, but right yeah. now the Bills and Cowboys are very parallel. They they're, you know, get a lot of headlines. They're pretty damn good. They got a quarterback that puts up big regular season numbers. But come postseason – they can't get over that hump. And, you know, the Cowboys' problem, what's more frustrating is they're not dealing with Patrick Mahomes, and they no. still can't get over the hump. <laughs> it's a different team for them than Hump. Somebody could be the Eagles, could be the Rams, could be the 49ers. It's been the Packers and Niners most. Yes, yeah, so it's, it's a different team. That's why, that, honestly, that's probably even more troubling. You're, like, you're right, because is it, why can't they be you then? If it's a different team in the NFC that's stepping up year after year, why isn't that you? Why haven't you been one of those teams? The Lions of this year. Now the why Lions is, just went past you. Yeah, so why is it out of all this, you know, kind of randomness in the NFC, which is great, how come it doesn't randomly become your year one which year? That's why I think, as we talked about, you got, you know, family members popping off uh, angry like Ty on social media because they're, <laughs> they're angry. Because, I mean, look, the Lions have gone past you in three short years. The Philadelphia Eagles have reinvented themselves like twice. Right. And, and won, went back to the Super Bowl since a, you and won a Super Bowl. <laughs> And we're in it last year. Yeah. <laughs> and the Packers look like they're in a better place oh. right now than you are. And the 49ers have done it. The 49ers have done it multiple times. They yes. did it with Jim Harbaugh's group. Right. did it with Shano's well, group. Think, think about what the Packers just did. Now the Packers are going to come in next year more favored to win the NFC than you are because Jordan Love looks like a high-ceiling quarterback. They found another one. So what, why, why not us? Is what Cowboys are saying. Why not us? If the damn Lions can do it, then why not us? Why is it random? Yeah, you want to know why Cowboys fans? Because it's not random. It takes good leadership from the top down, You've making good decisions. Yes, right. <laughs> because it's not random. And guess what? Uh, that that leader last year, last week, decided to sell the fan base, stay the course, mm. and they know that ain't working. With a lame duck coach, a lame Said, I'm not going to extend this guy. Well, look, but I mean, believe in this guy, but I'm not going to extend him. Yeah, no extension, but we're <laughs> keeping him because I don't want to pay him not to be here. Right. Uh, I don't like doing that, even though I'm a multi-billionaire. Ooh. I would also say, you know. What's Detroit going to say? I mean, what is Buffalo going to say this week? What are the new ownership there? Are they going to stay the course? 
are they going to make a big change? I mean, fan, fans are in Buffalo in the same sense as the Cowboys. They're like, you know, what are we going to do to the, over this hump? What's the plan, guys? Um, they just have a, changed those season. Got that was kind Sherman of mid-season. called the D.C. Yeah, and I, I don't know what they – yeah, I don't know. Uh, do you keep Joe Brady? Because it went it well up? enough for you to – Yeah, the team rallied around their coach. I mean, you cannot yeah, not so argue. they like him. Well, and that was the Cowboys. They like Mike McCarthy, but Gosh, yeah. when it's time to play, yeah. <laughs> what happened? <laughs> but like, likes got nothing to do with it All at right. that point, I guess. Uh, but you're right. Yeah, I think they both are in a similar situation, and I don't know if there are any easy answers or solutions for guess either what? one Guess what? Patrick Mahomes is going to be in that conference again next year. You, you got to pray and hope that Kelsey retires and Andy Reid retires and that they don't fill those voids immediately with, you know, That would be – I mean, if you're Texas substance. fans are hoping that too. That, uh, you know, because the Texans want to become one of those right. power breaker brokers in the AFC now moving right. forward. That's true. And with a good offseason, another good draft, and the pieces around C.J. Stroud, uh, because it does feel like they can take control of the AFC South, right? Jacksonville kind of still feels yeah. like a, content, a pretender. Colts are, are in, a, in a rebuild. Their owner is, like, trying to mm-hmm. – you know, still dealing with a lot of issues. And we know where Tennessee is. They're, they're starting yeah. over now. So you can take control of that division, which That's puts true. you in the tournament every year. And it's not an AFC North situation where Baltimore's got to deal with, you know, Cleveland and Cincinnati and Joe Burrow and Pittsburgh, whoever they end up as quarterback. Uh, South is winnable. South is winnable. So if you're Houston, yeah, you'd love to see Kansas City take some attrition. Man, AFC is just so loaded. When Joe Burrow comes back, it's loaded with QB play. All right, we'll come back. When we do, Rod will take us behind the burn orange curtain one more time. We do have finality on the Dwayne Aquinas situation out uh, out in the desert. Yes, sir. We do have a former Arizona defensive lineman who's into the portal who visited Austin this weekend. A couple of commitments over a big uh, recruiting weekend for Texas. Plenty to do. Coming back, hook him up with Ian Rodby. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook em Up, 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. Okay, ready? All right, before we go behind the burnt orange curtain, can we hear how it ended on Saturday? Your Saturday before divisional playoffs, we had a heck of a basketball game played over at Moody Center. Uh, Longhorns finally played some really good basketball. It's been a frustrating year so far for Texas, but uh, especially against really good competition. And then they lost a game to Central Florida on Tuesday that they were in full control of, end up blowing a 16-point lead, losing at the end. And we know what happened afterwards. We hear Rodney Terry talking about that coming up. Can I play the uh, the uh, the sound rod from ESPN? It was it was the main crew, right? It was. Uh, you know, Jay Billis and crew, mm-hmm. primetime game. It was a hell of a game from front to back. The higher scoring in the first half. Both teams were red hot. Uh, defenses ratcheted up in the second half, and it went to the wire. Texas had a three-point lead. Uh, Kendall Weaver had made, made an incredible hustle play that allowed the Longhorns to get the ball back and uh, make some free throws to make it a three-point game. So you're thinking you feel pretty good. You can, if you can run the clock down a little bit, then you can foul them and make them go to the line with a three-point lead. But, man, before they could even think about that, the kid Bridges for Baylor nails a rainbow three-pointer that just touched I mean, it was so pure. And now we're tied at 75. But uh, Tyrese Hunter and the Longhorns with uh, one last mm-hmm. chance. Here's how it sounded. And Bridges with a three to tie the game. Plenty of time to get a shot here. And here comes Hunter. Coast to coast. Oh! They're going to look at it, but I thought he got it off. Right, there it was. He did get it off. It wasn't even close. You saw it in real time. You saw the ball go through, and then the, the, the big bright light went on after the ball went through the net, so it was clearly out of his hand. But a great play for Tyrese Hunter. We'll see if this jump starts that team, Rod. 
Can this be a moment that kind of pivots the team? And, and they kind of rallied around their coach. I mean, they all know what the controversy was on Tuesday. Yeah, that and thing blew up. I don't think Randy Terry thought it would blow up like that. I mean, it went national. I mean, Dan Patrick was talking about it. You said uh, like five ESPN minutes. game day. I mean, everybody brought it up in some way. And I was like, I don't think Coach Terry thought it would blow up like that. I think that's why he apologized ultimately. He, well, and even his own peers, and we'll hear that apology coming up. But he, but we'll see. Can this be the point? Because they had not played that kind of basketball. Where no. Tournament. The ball, a tournament team. I mean, everything like. you want. They, because we asked the question on Friday, is this a tournament team? We're like, no. But that's a tournament team. That's a team that can score inside with DeSue. Caden mm-hmm. Shedrick played a good game. Uh, you got the good out exterior. I mean, Max A. Smith and Tyrese Hunter, especially in the first half, were red hot. Yep. Kendall Weaver bringing those hustle plays that you have to have in, in, in a spot. Dylan Mitchell gave you some really, really good minutes. He's a key to this team. And really, the thing that stands out, I'll say it all year, Rod, is defense. In the first half, they allowed Great. Baylor to scoot over 40% or 50%. Second half, it was 38%. They kind of ran Baylor off the foul off the three-point line, forced them to drive and put the ball on the deck, and you know the results were good. Now they went cold themselves shooting because Scott Drew's team made some adjustments mm-hmm. too. But you know that's a, that's a Scott Drew team that's a top ten team in the country. If you can beat them on your home floor and play that kind of basketball, can you carry it with you? That's a team that can can get on a little bit of a run here. But now nah, you know you're playing Oklahoma, another top fifteen team at their place tomorrow sure. night. But that was fun. That was a fun game to watch, especially after the discipline. It was so discouraging watching them blow to the lead to Central Florida and then all the out, you know, then the blow up after in the aftermath. But uh, it was a fun game. Uh, so props to the Longhorns, props to the Texas women. They also won on Saturday in Stillwater. All right, let's go behind the burn orange curtain. And they were all asking themselves the same question. What is behind that curtain? Rodney Terry sound ready, please. All right, let's get into, so we're talking Texas basketball. Well, we'll get to some Texas football news, notes, and nuggets here in a second. Uh, so we're talking about Texas basketball. A big win over a top 10 ranked Baylor squad uh, in dramatic fashion, something they needed. Um, and after the game, Coach Terry wanted to address the controversy following the UCF loss for Texas. And for those who don't know, in case you're under a rock, uh, last, uh, last week, uh, Coach Terry reprimanded some UCF players in the handshake line after the game, after they lost the game. They were up by double digits at multiple points in that game, end up losing to an unranked UCF squad. Um, and in the postgame, the UCF players, some of them did the horns down, and Coach Terry was a little offended by this, was upset by it. Not only reprimanded the players at the time, but then in the postgame, he also remarked about how it's not classy to do that stuff. You should win with class, and uh, he obviously emphasized sportsmanship. And it, they, it was a great message, by the way, by Coach Terry, but it blew up in his face. His peers, other coaches around the country, they criticized him because they thought it broke. He kind of violated the G code, um, which is you don't coach another coach's team, right? You don't, don't discipline my kids. If my kid, you got a problem with my kids, you tell me what my kids did. I will discipline my kids. You don't need to mess with my kids. Don't discipline my kids. That's kind of that thing. So a lot of his uh, coaching peers, they called out Rodney Terry. And a lot of the Texas fans – who you know, I think Coach Terry thought they would be a little bit more grateful about him having pride in the you know the horns down and trying to uh, you know obviously trying to reprimand these players who were doing it. Longhorn fans they took more offense to the loss and the way the Longhorns lost that game rather than the horns down. So I think he found out a lesson. I think a hard lesson to learn that Longhorn fans really are not that offended by the horns down. They're more offended by bad play. That's what offends them. So Coach Terry in the post game after the big win, here's what he had to say. 
you know, I had no intentions of trying to uh, show up anyone or or uh, offend anyone in terms of, you know, what occurred and you know at the end of that game. Johnny Dawkins is a good friend of mine. He's a really good coach. He has a good program. They're having a good year, uh, and. Uh, um, you know, I, you know, personally, if I offended him or his program or anyone for that matter, that was not my intentions. You know, um, I'm a God-fearing man. I'm, I lean heavily on my faith, and uh, there are no obstacles in front of me that I can't ever overcome because God never leaves me. No matter in good times, bad times, He's always with me. And so, you know, I, I think again, you control what you can control. If again, if I offended some of our our fans as well, and and not handling myself the right way in terms of, you know, going about it the right way, then, you know, I apologize to our fan base as well and everything. And uh, uh, I understand what it means to be the head coach at the University of Texas and what our brand stands for, and and uh, and I respect every opponent that we play, uh, and, and you know, have the utmost respect for them and and, and their coaches. So, uh, again. You know, I'm happy about the outcome of what, what transpired today. We played a really good team that's well coached, that we have a lot of respect for, and uh, um, we're going to enjoy this evening. There you go. So he apologized to only other coaches um, um, about his behavior, but he also apologized to Longhorn fans. I think the, the blowback that he got, he thought uh, that he was essentially representing Longhorn fans and the way they felt about the horns down. He was not. Longhorn fans, they don't care about horns down. They care about wins. Wins and you know, <laughs> and if you're mad at your team about blowing the lead, and and you know, this you kind of look a little unhinged at, at some level, even though he's a pretty calm guy. And as we said, in the aftermath, and just reading into it, it felt like he was more frustrated with his own team mm. than he saw that. And look, I mean, as he said, Johnny Dawkins is a good friend of his, and Johnny Dawkins was down the line; he wasn't even looking. So you know, if you if you're really that mad, go down and talk to Johnny Dawkins, who's a friend of yours, and say, "Hey, man, coach, you seeing this? Mm-hmm. Can we cut that out, please? Great, great win, but let's let's uh, do it with some class." That would have been a Probably a smarter way to go in hindsight, right? A lot yes. of us have twenty. Yeah, but but give him props though for apologizing. One hundred percent. That's how you know Roddy Terry's being a aware that he's hearing what's going on out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he's like, all right, I won't ignore well, it. Well, I do think the players rallied around that a little bit. I think that was the best looking Texas team we've seen. So well, if that helped, great. Because it was everywhere. I, I was surprised that it blew up like what they were talking about on ESPN game day. Dan Patrick brought it up. I mean, almost every show nationally on TV they brought it up. Yeah. And I guess because of Texas brand, but also. Um, you know, I mean, I, the, the horns down continues to be a big story, but I'm glad that Coach Terry decided uh, to apologize about that. Because way, during the game, you hear Jay Billis talking about Johnny Dawkins because you were talking about that moment. And he said, because I, I told you when I was a kid, Johnny Dawkins was one of my favorite players. Yeah. He said, Johnny Dawkins was Allen Iver- Iverson before Allen Iverson. I was like, whoa. Ooh. Dang, Jay. What? Has swag like that? Johnny Dawkins was a great player. Man. He was, he was a great player. He, I mean, Did I. His- I just I loved watching him. An AI comparison, though. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. What was that? Are you talking about on the court? Or are we talking about just personality largely? On the court. On the court. On the court. Just explosiveness. Oh, okay. Like he's he just be, okay, I was about to say, did, he, did his mama do his hair? No, while no, he was no, no, no. While he was no. <laughs> sitting courtside? He was just an explosive player. He could leave. He, he's a little bit guy. You. He could get up off the floor. He could really shoot it. Probably could go play football and be a wide receiver. Yeah, or something really like that. Explosive, explosive player. Yeah, I got you. He had Tommy Amaker in the backcourt with him. And okay. uh, Jay Billis was the big man. That's a good team. It's a good team. One of one of Mike Shijewski's early really good Duke teams. Interesting. Okay. Um, all right. Uh, last little nugget, but we brought up recruiting earlier. Longhorn's got a 2025 uh, commitment. Uh, but I want to get into this defensive analyst role. You brought up Coach Akina. Congratulations to Coach Akina because he is now, uh, at least he's been named, as the defensive coordinator for Arizona. So not only was he holding out for a better spot, uh, potential assistant coaching position, he ended up getting a defensive coordinator position, not – 
surprised at all. Coach King's got a lot of respect, and he's got a lot of street cred in the coaching ring. So I'm not, I'm not surprised. The only question was, what did he want a reduced role? Did he want to, you know, uh, be an analyst so that he would have more time to spend with his family and stuff like that? And obviously, he is a man that is all about his family, but he's also all about his word. And he put out on Twitter that he gave coach uh brennan his word brent brennan his word who is now the new head coach at arizona and uh, that has been rewarded because now he has been announced as new uh defensive coordinator there so the that begs the question who's going to be the defensive analyst for texas well that question has also been answered william william gay is going to be the defensive analyst for texas he was in the nfl for 12 years 10 of those with the steelers uh he had one year with the arizona cardinals i believe and he had one year on the practice squad of the Giants, if I'm not mistaken. That was at the end of his career. So you're talking about four stops in his career as a player, two of those with the Steelers, originally drafted by the Steelers. And so 10 years, the Steelers says a lot. He was with Mike Tomlin, my former DB coach, there for uh, most of his tenure there, for all of his tenure there. And Mike Tomlin was a uh, famously a great defensive mind as well before he became a head coach. He was known as being a defensive guru, and he's also a, he was also from a defensive back uh, coaching uh, background um, as well. And Dick LeBeau was the defensive coordinator in Pittsburgh with William Gay, and he's one of the most respected defensive minds in the history of the NFL. So you're talking about just proximity being around great defensive minds and William Gay being twice – all right, acquired by the Steelers, says the Steelers liked him. I remember I think about twice, but they also brought him back to be a coaching intern. So three different times the Steelers brought in William Gay. That's a classy organization. Culture is top-notch for them. Um, So it says a lot about his character uh, and a lot about him as a coach. They would bring him in. So I like him coming in for Texas. Hopefully he won't be – you know, on the field coaching, he won't be recruiting as either. But at least as an analyst, um, advanced scouting and self scouting, he can provide you with some tools, some options, some solutions about some of the concepts that troubled your secondary last season that you really didn't find ways to solve. Right? You didn't remedy those issues. Uh, bunch formations. Uh, leverage on inside breaking routes, the deep ball. These are all things Texas really, defending empty formations, these are all things Texas really struggled with last season. This is a guy with this kind of NFL experience. He's seen a lot of those things, and I'm sure he's got a, uh, a, a bunch of different possible solutions and a possible options for Texas to utilize to help them um, be better at defending those possible concepts. So I, I like that idea. I do too. I like that higher. And I uh, do like the idea of the uh, defensive lineman from Arizona too as a possible portal addition with the familiarity he has with the new linebackers coach. Yes. And he's got size, right? He's, he's a, uh, you know, you know, 305 pounder, six two three Oh five and uh, played at Arizona with uh Johnny Nansen the last couple of years. Also, Johnny Nansen recruited him. 6'4", 6'4", 305, right? He's a big guy. Big guy. Savea. Savea. Tia, how do I say I this? Know. I, I think it's Tia. I heard him say it a couple times, so I listened to it. It's, it's almost like two. Tia Oali Savea. Yeah, I think you're Tia right. Oali. It almost feels, the first name feels like it's two names. Yeah, the way Tia they pronounce Oali Savea. Yeah. Uh, he's, you know, started at, at UCLA and then followed Johnny Nansen actually to Arizona. And now he may follow Johnny Nansen to Texas, but that's not official. Texas still doesn't have a defensive line coach named. Yeah, they need defensive linemen, though. They don't have a defensive line coach named. Everybody thought because of the timeline it would end up being an NFL guy. And if it was going to be an NFL guy, most likely it would be Rod Wright. Well, Rod Wright now is officially done in the postseason because he's the Houston Texans assistant defensive line coach. Now we wait to see if Rod Wright was indeed uh, the front runner. I'm sure if, that, if, if he is, that won't take long. 
And yeah. I was told he is, and now the Texans are done, and we'll see what happens. Uh, What's taking know, so long? That game was Saturday. That game was Saturday, right? <laughs> so, they were back Saturday night. They were back Saturday night. So we had Sunday, and now it's Monday. So let's go. Come on, Sark. Get well, it done. You know. Uh, we will uh, continue to follow that. Of course, Rod Wright played, was a great defensive player at Texas oh, yeah. back in the day. UTSA defensive coordinator at one point and D-line coach. Miami, too, D-line coach there. Okay, we'll come back. We'll hit some what's popping, including the uh, NFL's coaching carousel. Uh, there's some interesting developments. We'll get to that coming up. Also, some good hoops tonight to take your uh, football you know, your Jones, if you're looking for something to watch tonight, we've got some good NBA. We'll tell you about it in the, the college hoops. We'll get you ready for what's popping coming what's up. What's popping? What's poppin'? Brand new whip, just hopped in. I got options. I can pass that flight stocking. Just joshing. I'm spending this holiday locked in. My body got rid of them toxins. All right, what's popping? It's popping for you, Rod. It's uh, the Philadelphia Eagles interviewing. Like, by the way, it looks like Nick Sirianni will be staying as the offense, as the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles because they're they're rebuilding their defensive staff. And today, apparently, interviewing former Washington Commanders coach Ron Rivera, the defensive coordinator. I like it. I like it a lot. Ooh, that's nice. That's good. Did you ever play for Coach Rivera? I played for Ron Rivera in, in Chicago. He was my defensive coordinator in Chicago. He's a good guy. Great, great really guy. Really good coach. Yeah. Built. Hell of a co- hell of a defensive coordinator, too. And kind of in a no-win situation in Washington. But, uh, you know, Carolina had that team in the Super mm-hmm. Bowl and can coach some defense. Yes, he can. And that would be his job in Philadelphia if it uh, if it happens. Well, who's going to be the – they talk about the O.C. and then you talk – because they need both new coordinators. You're correct new about OC that. New O.C. and a new D.C. Maybe Nick Sirianni's going to call the plays. Isn't he an offensive guy? Yeah, but that didn't go well in year one when he tried to do that. <laughs> it's true. But we'll see. Yeah. Uh, Michigan head coach Jim Harbaugh is expected to meet this week for a second time with the L.A. Chargers about their head coaching conversation. And now, by the way, people like Andy Staples in college football uh, writing what we've talked about since last week that – you know, based on what just happened at Alabama and what's happening at Washington, if Jim Harbaugh bolts or when he does, you you, you better take you about three minutes to hire Sharon Moore to yeah, better get it going to to salvage whatever's salvage left. Salvage what you can. Yeah, here's the headline from Andy Staples: it's the post saving aftermath of Alabama will help Sharon Moore's case if Michigan head Michigan head coach Jim Harbaugh leaves for the NFL. So yes, and then I think that's what Harbaugh's been kind of waiting on is let, yeah. me, let me get far enough down the road here. Well, you have no choice. Where if you're Michigan. But to take my recommendation. Yeah, and, 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 and after witnessing what's happened at other schools when their coaches leave this late in the game, it really puts you in a precarious spot. That doesn't mean not, not that, that everybody would stay for Michigan, but Sharon Moore, if you kept the, the, the meat of the coaching staff together, you'd have a better chance of keeping those players than what we saw at Alabama. There's a, uh, several reports that the Bears are set to hire – Seattle Seahawks OC Shane Waldron. Ooh, is over Cliff no Kingsbury, huh? Does that mean Kingsbury wanted something else? Yeah, that may, yeah, because he's he's got a background with. If you're gonna draft Caleb Williams, though, now yes. maybe Ty's theory that you're not drafting Caleb Williams, that the Bears gonna be that stupid, which I see wouldn't shock me. But if they do that, then I mean, because Cliff Kingsbury worked with Caleb at USC. That's why a lot of people are making that connection too. He's already got history with him. Um, but if they're drafting Caleb Williams and not going with Cliff Kingsbury, I don't know. Is Shane Waldron more respected than Cliffy as an offensive mind? I'm not sure about that. Yeah, we'll see. That's a, that's a very lackluster hire. Very yeah. underwhelming. If that's it, yes. I mean, well, it's the Bears. It's the, it's the Bears. <laughs> Expect underwhelming. Seriously. Expect underwhelming. Uh, all right, so this one, we talked about the uh, fumble out of bounds rule, and we got this message on Twitter that says, Reminder, the end zone fumble touchback rule makes perfect sense. Mm. The field is a battlefield. The end zone is a team's fort. 
An unaccompanied football rolling into a team's fort belongs to them. Battlefield doesn't belong to anyone, so fumbles out of bounds. They stay with the offense. So that is kind of the theory of the game. Like the gridiron is between the goal lines, and the goal line is what you're trying to defend. So if the ball does roll into the end zone, an unaccompanied ball rolls into your end zone, your ball. That's kind of the, the theory behind the, the rule and why it's okay. been like it has been for so long. Okay. People don't like it, but that's the theory of the rule. And that's why it's different than anything that happens in the field of play because no one owns that. That's just the field of play. So you have lines of scrimmage, and you can mark the play, and the offense keeps the ball. But if an unaccompanied ball rolls into my end zone, it's my ball. Yeah, but you could argue you didn't, you didn't defend your end zone because you didn't get the ball. Correct. The ball, is, the ball is the objective. The ball matters more than the end zones. Correct. So the ball – But it rolled through my fort. On the way, but out I of had bounds. possession last, and possession is not just sort of law. Yeah, well, I had I possession just, last. I'm explaining why I think the rule has been where it is for. No, so I know, long. but I'm just I was explaining why it's so difficult to come to a conclusion about a new rule change because there's a there's a there's a really good argument on the other side. There is. There so is. it's great arguments on both sides of this thing. Great arguments. And on as both Andy Reid said after the game, we just can't fumble. We can't reach for the. Like, you can't fumble there. You can't, you can't do fumble it. there. You can't do it. It's too pin. No. It's too punitive. You can't do it. Hey, look, uh, tonight, if you're looking for something, your sports Jones, your sports fix, uh, no NFL tonight, but uh, San Antonio is at Philadelphia in basketball. They're a 15-point underdog. But the best game of the uh, NBA night tonight is in Dallas where the Boston Celtics will play the Mavericks in a good basketball game. I did watch a little bit of that, a good bit of that, uh, what most people think is an NBA Finals preview on Friday night when the uh, Bucks hosted or Bucks played the Celtics and beat them in Boston. Good game. Mm, really? Bucks-Celtics, yeah. I mean, the Celtics are 31-10. and 10. Mavericks are 24 and 18. This will be a fun game tonight. Luka, I think, is healthy in this and, and uh, uh, well-rested Mavericks team against the Boston Celtics. I like it. That'll be if you're looking for some NBA. It's that time of year. Let me let me find a game. That one might be worth your couple I guess hours. It is that time of year. Yeah, I guess it is. I'm still not deep into the NBA just yet. Not yet. Not yet. I did watch. It was Friday night. There wasn't much else on. Hey, uh, how about this? You hot on this, Ron? What's popping? According poppin'? to Chiefs offensive lineman Donovan Smith, he claims the Bills. Shut off the hot water in the visiting locker room after the game. Hey, all stare and love and war. It's all good. Dude, it's no cold out there. Now you're shutting off the hot water. I got no problem with that. That's petty. I got no problem being that petty. They lost. They're mad about it. They got no problem being petty. You can do that. Also, according they, to uh, this report, the, uh, the yeah. Detroit Lions have signed Zach Ertz, veteran tight end. That's a smart move. Remember, they lost their second tight end, their number two tight end. Yeah. And Laporta, isn't he still dealing with an injury? He is. He's, he's, <laughs> he's playing up. through it, but I think they lost their uh, starting tight end. What's his name? Wright? I believe he's like Brock Wright. Brock Wright. Yeah. So that, that's a good move. Also, uh, this is popping for Houston Texans fan Jonathan Grenard telling the <laughs> media down there he definitely wants to stay with the Texans. He's one of those key free agents for Houston. Yeah, they got to pay him, though. You want to pay Grenard. Well, but he wants to be there. That's a good pass rusher. Debo Samuel, 50-50 to play in the NFC title game. Might give you a hometown discount, though, Grenard might. They, dra- they drafted him. This might give that you was a Bill O'Brien discount. draft pick, Jonathan Grenard. Uh-oh. One of the few good ones. One of the few good ones. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> also, Dan Quinn, Cowboys defense coordinator, to have in-person interviews with the Titans, Seahawks, and Commanders this week. Remember he this? Gone. This is the Monday begins the time when coaches who are under contract can beat – face-to-face with other teams that they had to wait until now under a new rule. So, hey, Rod, have a good Monday, my friend. You too, brother. Be safe out there on the roads. You too, my friend. Good stuff back there. We'll do it again every hour. will be podcast at hornfm.com if you missed uh, any of our five-hour conversations this morning. Be careful out there. The rain continues to come down. There are flood advisories and uh, low water crossings. So uh, slow down. Be safe. You'll get there.